And welcome to PodPod, the podcast for podcasters of all levels. I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon, and joining me on today's episode is Matt Hill, who runs Rethink Audio and is the co-founder of the British Podcast Awards, and Adam Shepard, PodPod's editor. Hello, both. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. So today's interview was a mammoth interview, I feel. We interviewed the hosts of the Empire podcast, which was very, very fun. It was very nervous. It was film related, obviously. So uh, I had a good time. Yeah, you loved it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, you had a great time. (laughs) I was getting all the references. (laughs) But it is insane the amount of work that goes into a podcast like this. Because I think, especially with Empire, which is a long form podcast. Emphasis on long. Yes. But I can't imagine just the amount of work that goes into not only researching it, recording it, editing it, promoting it. But I think we learn that this is something that they all do in their spare time, this podcast. This is not their main job. Was that a shock for you? That was a big shock because it is such an enormous commitment just based on the the sheer length of the thing. The amount of time that must go into everything around it, the fact that they're having to fit that in alongside additional workloads for me was just crazy. I mean, even juggling this podcast, which is, you know, part of my actual full-time job and not anything like as long as yeah. as Empires is difficult enough. So yeah, I'm I'm in awe of the fact that <laughs> that they managed to do as much as they do. It is interesting to think that it is their side hustle still after all these years, but I think that's the case for most podcasts, isn't it? I think even the most successful ones, it's not necessarily their day job. Whether you're doing it for profit or as a hobby, there is certainly an element of how do you fit it around your work life. The issues that you might get if you're a journalist and you're therefore doing it as part of your job, but not really acknowledged in your job description, is that Therefore, like, how much of your day job do you let it take over? What are the priorities for your employer? Which I think is something we kind of get into a little bit in this chat, which I thought was really fascinating. I think work-life balance is a big part of it as well. If you are trying to fit a podcast around a day job, you really have to be fully 110% committed to the podcast or you just risk burning yourself out. I mean, case in point, this episode was pre-recorded before Christmas because we wanted to give ourselves a a proper Mm -hmm. Christmas break. But these are the kinds of things that you have to take into account when you're balancing a recurring weekly podcast and a day job. And it's, it's tough. It is incredibly tough. And we will delve into all of that and more in this chat with the Empire crew. So here they are, Chris Hewitt, Helen O'Hara and James Dyer. So we're here with the Empire Film Podcast. It's actually a world that I know a lot about. Finally, we've been doing this podcast a little while and this is finally my comfort zone film. Guys, we've been trying to decide. None of us can really come up with a figure. We've settled on 821 episodes that you guys have recorded so far. Does that sound about right? Oh, way more. Oh, way way more. more. How many Uh, more? Oh, we're, we're in we're in we're in the low thousand. Yeah, we at are. The moment, yeah. yeah. Oh, we crossed the we've crossed the four figure mark some time ago. If we count our spoiler specials as well, which we are absolutely uh, for the sake of this, yeah. 
but we've we've done we've done 535 regular episodes, regular weekly episodes of the podcast, and we've done a several hundred specials as well. I mean, how obviously film is always going to be there, but how have you kind of kept that momentum going from the very beginning? Ten years, you guys have been going. <laughs> ten years. It's <laughs> amazing. Years. It is an incredible feat. It started off, I think, with something Chris had been talking about since about 2007. I think it took us a while to actually find the studio space, get to grips with the technology we needed and and get started. I personally thought he was being laughably ambitious when he said, we'll do one a week. And and I was kind of saying, well, okay, it was one a week. Like you know, we should make it pretty short, like twenty minutes. And and we did. We shouldn't promise a guest every week because that's a lot of pressure. And of course, Chris no. was like, no, no, we're going to do it properly. We're going to have guests all the time. And mm. I mean, this this episode that Chris is currently editing is what three sets of guests. Three sets of guests, two guests per set, six guests, that's 12 limbs um, in per guest. I don't know, 12 limbs per guest. We're interviewing some spiders. Uh, I, I Yeah, it's, it's, it's ballooned. Mm. I think it's a safe way to, to say it. Uh, we, the podcast had very humble beginnings in that uh, it was myself, Helen, James, a couple of other people who are no longer at Empire and therefore shall never be named again. <laughs> hey, Ali Plum. We... Hey Ali Plum, hey Phil DeSemlin, and uh, we just decided to <laughs> do the show right here, kids, and we did this without telling our editor that we were doing it, uh, which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the first, the first our editor knew, uh, Mark Dinning at the time, the first, the first he knew of the impending Empire podcast was when he read about it in Empire Magazine, um, <laughs> When it was press day, it was press day, and he was he was checking some of the pages in my section, the news section, and I had snuck a little mention. Oh, by the way, check out the first episode of the Empire Podcast is coming in a couple of weeks' time. And he went, uh, Hewitt, <laughs> what, what is this? I went, Oh yeah, we're doing a podcast. And he went, All right then. I went, and that was it. That was the level of editorial scrutiny we had to pass uh, back then. I don't know whether nowadays we'd have to jump through hoops and make presentations and all sorts of stuff, but uh, we, we it was such a lo-fi start to the show. Having said that, we had a studio, which, again, most people who do podcasts don't have, but we didn't know what we were doing. I thought we had missed the boat, the podcast mm. boat, because, you know, there was such a huge thing in the States, and it just felt to me like we had maybe missed missed our chance to do a podcast that that would have some chance of making an impact uh and if you look if you listen back and i wouldn't recommend this if you listen back to the early days of the podcast they are so fastly similar to what we do these days but also fastly different to what we do these days in that they're a lot shorter which some people will think is better. <laughs> That's a debate we'll that we'll raise. We'll that a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're a bit fumbling, a bit stumbling in the dark. Not all of them have a guest, but it's mainly the length and the fact that we didn't quite know what we were doing. So the first, I'd say the first seven or eight, not episodes, but I'd say years were basically <laughs> trial and error. Hmm for us until we finally hit upon a, a format we liked. How did you, James, figure out what was working and what wasn't? Was that from audience feedback? Was that just a feeling in the studio? Oh, no. <laughs> Definitely not audience feedback. I don't think we paid a great deal of attention to that. I, I think it was very much the case that we'd often... I mean, you have to understand, we've all sort of worked for and with Empire in one time or another for 
a very long time. I've been here 22 years. Chris has been here 21 years. Like it's, you know, and Helen's been in the orbit for 19. two decades yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. 19. So, you know, it, it's been a long time. And we would sit in the office and we would have these conversations and we would have, we literally spend hours every day just chatting about films, arguing about films, yelling at each other about films, often the same arguments about the same films day in, <laughs> day out. That hasn't changed. And a lot of it was like people would come in, you'd see the work experience person just giggling away to themselves, listening to us bang on about this stuff. And I think it was, Chris, you probably identified this. It's like, there's maybe something in this. This might be quite entertaining. People could hear this, but we weren't broadcasters. We were all writers. We had no experience in broadcast. We had no training in broadcast. So it was very much a kind of feel it out and work it out as you go along. And I think those early episodes, we were all trying to get our heads around, like, how do you behave? How do you modulate your voice? How do you speak as a broadcaster? How do you structure a show? Because we had no idea. We were just like, hey, we'll go in this room and we'll just talk shit about films for the next 20, 30 minutes and see what happens. And that's what it was. And I think, so has it got more polished? No, no, it probably hasn't. But, you know, it's maybe more... Has it got longer? Has it got longer? Yes. Is it more focused? Again, no, probably not. But is it better? I think so. I have no evidence about that, though. (laughs) It's an impression. It's an impression. (laughs) It's an impression. It's a feeling. The podcast really came about because at the time we were doing... God, when did we start? 2012. We had been doing for some some while video diaries at all the major film festivals in and around the world, the ones that would invite us anyway, and Comic-Con and the LFF and Cannes, daily video diaries that I would do when I went out there with, with Sam Toy, who was a, a great colleague of ours. He's not dead, he's in Australia, although it's much the same thing. And... He left and the video diaries stopped when he left because he was so good at doing things on the cheap that we couldn't afford to replace him. And then we were looking for something to kind of fill that creative vacuum that was, that was left. And James is exactly right. But Helen was as much a driver of the podcast, if not more so back in the early days, you know, in terms of, like, you know, this is a great group dynamic. We need to do something about it. I think it was even Helen, your contact, yeah. who was a producer at the time That's within our right. company who said, hey, listen, you know, I'd be available to help you guys do something if you wanted to do something. And this perhaps this is a testament to how egotistical we all are. We thought, you know, we need to share this banal pub chat with the world, <laughs> and that's essentially what we want this podcast to be. That's every uh, podcast. And that's basically how it started. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I ripped the format off liberally, I'll happily admit it, from the Guardian's Football Unlimited podcast, and and we, we went into a room, and we did four pilot episodes. Can you believe this? The first episode that you listen to, if you listen to the first episode, which again, I recommend no one does, and it's terrible, but if you listen back to the first episode, consider this, that was... The fifth episode we had done, we have done four That's episodes it. that were worse than that that we did not put out <laughs> that we actually kind of, you know, I'd forgotten we were road that. testing wow. the format. Yeah, because, wow. uh, we, you know, we were not quite ready for primetime players at that point. I feel like it gave us something back mm. uh, immediately because at that point in the magazine's history, we were very much under pressure. The website in those days used to have, I don't know, eight, ten stories going up a day, features going up. We were aiming for daily. We didn't always manage it, but we aimed. Uh, you know, we were covering festivals and, and junkets and, and writing for the magazine as well as the website and everything else. Chris, of course, had an entire section of the magazine to, to manage as well as writing, I think, about 90% of the features. You know, <laughs> we were all kind of pressurised and, and rushed and up against it. And I think we had lost some of that office banter a bit because we were under more pressure at that point than we had been maybe you know five ten years before and and doing the podcast every week going into a room just talking nonsense for an hour i think gave us our 
you know we spoke english occasionally as well, uh, yeah sometimes. occasionally um you know that that kind of gave us something back uh, in a strange way it kind of gave us our ourselves back a mojo. a little bit yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah well, mojo is a completely different magazine although it is also published by bauer media by now an all good and evil news agents are there any clashes with the editorial side of the magazine in terms of who you have access to and you know exclusives does the magazine tend to come first in their eyes I think it, it works differently just in terms of lead time. Like the magazine has their own access. It's much longer lead than than we do on the podcast. I think what we quickly what quickly works out is because we all love the podcast a great deal, but there was a sense that a lot of the access that we used to use specifically for the website, we essentially moved to the podcast. Right. There was a period of time sort of back when I first started where most interviews you do for online were 15 minute kind of in-depth chats. And then bit by bit as video kind of emerged, they shrunk and shrank and shrank and they became these four minute to camera things, which mm. was so homogenous and so like every other interview and I started to question the worth of those like what's the point in having four minutes of someone just reeling out sound bites because you can't get a report in that time and when they're in front of a camera it doesn't work and what we, we swiftly discovered was when you were doing an interview for the podcast it was an entirely different beast they would open up you were talking to the person not the mm-hmm. not the star mm-hmm. and you just shoot the shit and you talk about stuff and we were suddenly like these this is great content this is brilliant interview stuff and actually this is much more value to the brand than having a four minute to camera piece so yeah. you know that's I think where all our short term access now goes goes via the podcast for that reason yeah and we actually implemented a rule from day one that we have never broken and we never will hmm. that the interviews on the podcast are a minimum of 15 minutes we will never take anything that goes under 15 minutes <laughs> and you know yourself Rihanna you know, the, <laughs> again we're back to the length debate but in terms of interviews I think the longer the better because some of the greatest moments we've had on the podcast are those long, in-depth, deep dives into people's careers. We get time to relax. You get relaxed at the subject. You get relaxed into their filmography. I'm thinking of things like, you know, our epic interviews with Chris McQuarrie about the Mission Impossible movies, which are, you know, we did six hours on one movie alone with the guy. And that was just one question as well. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, one of our first interviews was, our very first interview was Paddy Considine, who, you know, is, is a friend of the mag and a friend of the podcast and continues to be and he came in and he was very gracious with his time but again that's in the first or the second episode and that's really really short but our first major proper interview was Terrence Stamp Terrence Stamp came into the pod studio back in the day and gave us 45 minutes of his time and we were all so nervous that we basically there were three people interviewing him that day yeah. because we didn't trust ourselves yet to be able to sustain an interview with someone there would be a lot of dead air and a lot of looking at notes and a lot of umming and eyeing but that was something that made us think I mean, it's not revolutionary but this long format really really works and you can actually you know dig into stuff with people Warren Beatty we got like 45 minutes with Warren Beatty to dig into his incredible career those are just three of the ones that come to mind but Helen there must be ones that pop into your head as well over the years yeah I mean not all of them even super long but just you got people kind of relaxed and in the studio and out of the junket Mm. room which is which is really really key because I feel like when you know film stars come over to do junkets for those who don't know they they sit in a hotel room surrounded by cameras all day every day under lights getting their makeup touched up every 15 minutes and yes doing like 50 of those four minute slots a day maybe so if you get them which we often did to come out of the junket physically come to our offices put them in the the podcast studio and we would habitually give them an intro along the lines of look you you feel free to swear feel free to go off on tangents feel free to talk essentially nonsense you know we're here to just have a conversation and that's why in the early days we did have sometimes two of us or more 
you know, in to try and make it feel like a conversation between a group of people and not a sort of an interrogation. Mm. So that just helped people feel at ease. I remember like talking to Matt Smith about how the doctor would run a bath at one point. You know, I remember Nicholas Holt coming in in the middle of a snowstorm and we happened to have been delivered a heart shaped cake that day to promote his zombie film. So we ended up eating the heart while talking about zombie movies, you know, it was, you just get... Warm bodies, right? Yeah, warm bodies, great film. Um, but you just get a little bit more kind of looseness and a little bit more fun. And you, you could actually see them almost visibly relax yes. in the podcast studio, as opposed to when you go to the junket. Yeah. We drug them as well. Well, obviously we drug, <laughs> drug them, yes, absolutely. We drug them. I mean, we do have, we're having these conversations about the length then. So we've been hearing about how podcasts have been getting shorter on average, and mm. yours obviously does remain as lengthy as ever. So what is, so tell us, have you, ever, have you ever been tempted to kind of pair it back? Where would you even kind of start with that? And, and are there any negative comments from audiences about the length or is that what they love the most? Well, I'm the only one who reads the reviews. <laughs> I, I can say generally people, it, you, you get people kind of in two camps. I think there's a small contingent of people who, as we all are, are quite time poor. And they're a bit like, you know, they sometimes find it difficult to fit the amount of content. Because bear in mind, like, we have the Empire podcast, we have the Empire Spoiler special podcast, which are behind a paywall. Uh, I do the Pilot TV podcast, which is our TV spin-off podcast as well. So there's a lot of content that we as a brand produce. And sometimes people are like, guys, I also have to go out and see the sunshine occasionally. We can't be here all the time. But equally, and this came up very, I think, strongly in the pandemic, people for reasons passing understanding, just enjoy spending time with us, sort of yeah. in their ears. And so there's a sense that they quite like having a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And people skip through stuff and some people skip the interviews and some people don't. Some people have specific bits that they want to jump to. But I think, you know, obviously we don't want to put out 10-hour podcasts every week, although I'm sure Chris would if he could do. But I think, you know, there, there's, a, there's a sense of value and there's a sense of community and there's a sense of people coming together. And as I said, certainly during the pandemic, I think actually it was a lot more important to people than any of us really thought it would be. Yeah, it's a tricky thing about the length because this week's podcast, I try and keep it below two hours. Whereas if you look at the early days, we rarely went above 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and that's including guests. And I listen back to those and I just think they feel rushed. Mm. And I think that one of the reasons why people like our podcast, if indeed people do like our podcast, is because of that sense of you're eavesdropping on a conversation between really good friends I mean, there's a lot of acting involved to pretend that I like <laughs> there it is. Helen and um, I want to say Jeff. It's James. It's James, James. James, sorry. Yeah. But, you know, people like to luxuriate in that conversation. And, you know, mm. we do. I do cut an awful lot out of it, uh, if you can believe that. If an episode comes in about one thirty, usually we have two interviews in there. So it's usually an hour of us being nonsensical. But we'll record for 90 minutes, sometimes even two hours. And so, there, you know, we, we do cut the guts out of it, mostly for legal reasons. <laughs> But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes just to just to trim it along and, and make it move a little bit faster. I, I do prefer longer podcasts. I'm disappointed if a podcast less than an hour. That's just my, my personal thing. I know there are people who, who gravitate towards uh, shorter podcasts. I Frankly, I would find it difficult to... To do that now would involve basically overhauling the podcast completely. Mm-hmm. There are probably two things that if we had our, our druthers and we had our, our, our time again, we probably would look at things like the commitment to doing a weekly podcast. Now, on one hand, that helps you build up your audience and it's film. And as you say, Rihanna, film never stops. Didn't stop when there was a pandemic. It's certainly not going to stop for anything else. So it's just going to keep on trucking. And you have to do basically 50 shows a year. That's just what we're locked into. That's a pretty tight schedule. That's a tough schedule. And the other thing is, 
I, whether we, we would look at doing fragmented shows is something that has crossed my mind from time to time or, you know, certainly a lot of brands these days, and a lot of podcasts are experimenting with things like, you know, obviously the patrons and paywalls and, mm. you know, could you do a shorter podcast that goes out into a regular feed and then do a longer podcast to reward subscribers? That's certainly something that, you know, we've talked about as well. But if we were starting from from scratch, whether you could do an Empire Podcast review show, whether you could do an Empire Podcast interview show, whether you could do an Empire Podcast news show and then a, a listener show, you take all the segments of our show and then divide them into their own shows, maybe that would be a nice way of doing four half-hour shows every week rather than one near two-hour behemoth. But uh, I think it's difficult now. We're so ingrained and yeah. the you know the audience have become so inured to the length. I'm sure a lot of people have turned off because of the length, but equally I think a lot of people have been attracted because of the length. Yes. And I should stop saying length now because sounds, otherwise this turns yeah. into a very different podcast. <laughs> well, you have a tiered level of subscription. Do you think that your audiences, would they be okay with you kind of chopping and changing it up at this stage? Or are you almost too too involved with them at this point didn't mix anything i think that would be very difficult i think you know terry brought in the paywall for the spoiler specials only and sort of made a commitment at that point that the the weekly podcast will remain free that that remains open to everybody uh, and I, and i think that's a, been a really good compromise actually i think that the people who want to go deep on these films and want to to listen to us really analyze things to death they have the option and it's there and it's it's i think uh, we've got the price point right now i think it's 2.99 a month which feels you know it's a cup of coffee like it's not it's not mm. a ruinous amount so so that feels really good but but we still have the majority of our of our you know, content is out there for people to just pick up and, and experiment with as they choose, really. Mm. Going back to the brand of Empire, what is the kind of audience share between the website, the print product and the podcast, James? Are they the same? Are they all used to drive audiences towards each other? How does it work? Increasingly now, yeah. I mean, as all magazines now, we don't talk about subscribers, we talk about members. It's all about right. membership. It's about sort of membership with the brand. And I think we've got better at tying these threads together. And you kind of end up with tiers of people that like you've got sort of casual people who might just read the magazine. You've got people who might just browse the website. And then you get the more engaged Empire fans. And they are the ones more likely to engage with us across multiple platforms. They will listen to the podcast. They might listen to all of the podcasts. They'll subscribe to the paid for podcast. They'll come to our live events as well. And they'll come out and see us. And those are the people I think form the core of, of who listens to the ones who probably listen to us since day one they never miss an episode and I do think it is now yeah it is is a larger sort of brand umbrella and we do cross pollinate like we have a an Empire VIP service where you get a subscription to the magazine you also get free access to the paywalled podcast you get priority booking at the live events you also get to come to special VIP events like we've done some sort of Q&As and screenings and things like that so there is a sense of community and sort of people coming together and and you know as I said when we do these live events and we, we meet up with these listeners it always kind of I find it incredibly moving when people come up and they genuinely tell you how much the podcast means to them mm. and it's a thing that i think is unique to podcasts like you can love an author you can love a film star but you never feel you know them and i think even i get this when i listen to podcasts like because they're in your ears they feel like your friends and you feel like you know them and you spend so much time with them and i think there's an intimacy there that you just don't get in any other medium and i just think that's incredibly valuable 
Mm, I did um, a brief stint on the Radio Times podcast, which has moved into a slightly different format because they couldn't afford me and Jane Garvey. But what happened, (laughs) we were kind of, because we were separate from the magazine, we were able just to talk as we would, give our own opinions very freely. But is that for you guys, do you try and vary your reviews from platform to platform? Or is there very much like a sort of empire defined position on everything? Well, there's definitely a canonical empire of you i can't say we may be respected as much as we should though this is the dilemma really for any film critic at a collective publication like the radio times like ourselves you obviously are sometimes going to disagree with the official (laughs) verdict by your colleague that is inevitable so what we try to do when we're when we're talking about this stuff on the podcast and we had a couple of instances of this just today but you know I disagree with the the star rating for one of the films we reviewed today, and I but I just said so, and I, I kind of tried to explain that you know my colleague liked it more, and so he has given yeah. it three stars. But it's a bad film, and this is why he's wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it does have to be a careful line because you you equally you don't want to trash your own magazine's opinions, you know. Of course, Matt, I'd like to bring you in. I, I found all this really fascinating, and I think you know magazines generally seem to be really good bedfellows with podcasting. They fit the medium very well. And yes, as you say, you know, you could split off those features in the future and turn them into their own podcast feeds. But, you know, ever since maybe the mid-noughties, really, when The Guardian really dived into podcasts, you know, it's been a really rich scene for a number of brands. I wonder if people listening to this have a have a brand or a magazine and aren't in podcasting yet. I don't know if you could describe what it's like to try and fit it around the day job. Like literally, I mean, you have your own studio, which presumably means you're in the office, you fall into it. Do you record in the morning? Do you record it after a deadline? You've got daily deadlines, weekly deadlines, the monthly print magazine. How do you fit it all in? (laughs) (laughs) Nervous Uh, laughter. (laughs) We fit it in with a side order of a nervous breakdown. Uh, So basically, I'm doing two full-time jobs. It's not the way we set out to do the show. It's just the way the things have evolved naturally over mm-hmm. over the years. That as things went on, I guess I started to do more and more of the admin on the podcast, more of the, the booking of the guests on the podcast, more, you know, I was the host of the podcast from the beginning. And then it, it kind of fell to me to do most of the interviews, not all of the interviews. And so it is essentially I have my job in the magazine I also have my job in the on the on the podcast where I book the talent I interview most of the podcast guests I edit the podcast as well and we record the podcast at least one podcast a week in our studio which keeps moving around it's like it's like Brigadoon it's hard to figure out where our studio is it just disappears and then reappears in a completely different place uh, <laughs> at the moment because we've moved buildings as a company we're working out of Golden Square so in terms of fitting it into my into my schedule it's honestly it's been really really tough and i don't think that i would have persevered with it (laughs) this long had i not really grown to love it i mean i love doing this podcast it is you know you hear the 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 phrase labor of love and we all love doing this podcast you know it's a great opportunity to keep in touch with your mates to share opinions with your mates during the pandemic it was incredibly important for us it Mm -hmm. gave us a beacon it gave us something to look forward to every single week and frankly, when a job is a pleasure like this, it's not that big a deal for me to move things around and to set time aside to do it. And I think Helen and James feel the same way. James, you know, pilot is equally mm. a labor of love 
for him, although obviously one deserving of less time than the Empire podcast. <laughs> and Helen has, you know, Helen's a freelancer, so she's got a million different things going time on is money. as well. Yeah. Time yeah. is money. But, you know, I will work through the night. I've, I edit quite late. I will, you know, sometimes get up very early to edit a podcast as well. I will work at the weekends. I'm usually editing something, recording something, setting up an interview for something in any given day. And the day job, well, that's kind of become... A different thing. So it's about trying to wrap those two things and trying to, to trying to balance those two things. It's tricky, and it has been tricky over the last few years. And getting that balance right is really, really tough. But I think we're getting there, and I think, uh, yeah, I love doing this. So what what are the tensions that kind of prevent it from being like same time every week? Record for an hour, turn it around overnight, and then it's out the next morning. Well, I mean, at the moment, obviously, we have problems. We have to book the studio space, basically, because, yeah. as, as as Chris mentioned, the, the the company is moving offices. We currently have a slight squeeze on studios, so that can be a little bit of an issue just at the moment. It can also just be the fact that you know, okay, yes, in theory, we record on a Thursday morning, but. We have to obviously figure out uh, James's pilot schedule as well. They usually record Thursday afternoon, mm-hmm. so we can't just simply move one around. And then they'll just be, you know, okay, yes, we're recording Thursday morning, but one of us is on a set visit or one of us has scheduled the, the, the big interview for that moment. And that's the only time that, you know, Celebrity X could do. It's those kind of things that keep coming up. Plus, obviously, life may intervene. We've been doing everything. You know, COVID. COVID. You know, Chris testing positive this this week meant a whole bunch of interviews that were due to happen in person suddenly couldn't, at least for Chris. So we've been scrambling to try and cover all of those. So everything. But it's crazy to think that pre-pandemic, like the thought of doing a remote podcast wasn't even something that had crossed. I mean, we're, we're on Riverside now. I use Riverside for pilot. Like All the way through the pandemic, we did Squadcast. We did Riverside. We did remote podcasts every week. Now we try not to do them, I think, because the chemistry and, and the flow of it in the studio is, is it's night and day. Like It's so much better. Mm. But the fact that we could and the fact that we can has been a game changer. And I think something like, like these platforms, it makes podcasting accessible to more people because you don't need a studio. It's better to have a studio, but you can just do it remotely. And as long as you've got the equipment in a semi-acoustic room, you can get away with it. Yeah, it's also changed us in terms of guests. One of the other rules we had that we we imposed, or self-imposed rules from the beginning, (laughs) was that our interviews would only ever be face-to-face. We would only ever be in the same room with the person. And COVID-19 had other ideas about that. And we had to scramble initially to see if we could make this work. And, you know, there were early days when Zoom just wasn't up to the task. You could argue it still isn't. And <laughs> Riverside and Squadcast came to the fore, but then they're, and then this is very arcane and you know, maybe a, a bit inside baseball, but it's difficult sometimes to get publicists on board with things that they don't quite understand. So you yeah. can say Zoom to a publicist and they go, oh, Zoom, yeah, I know Zoom, mm. even though it's not the best in terms of audio quality. Or, you know, it can be, but, you know, sometimes it's a bit glitchy. And you go, well, this is a thing called Squadcast, but you have to, especially in the early days, you have to be on Chrome. And then they have to tell their client, who sometimes could be a very famous person, that they have to go on Chrome. And then it just it becomes a whole thing and yeah. the whole thing falls apart. But it has also opened us up in a way that I had previously poo-pooed. I was like, no, I don't care who your client is. If they are not going to be in the same room as us, we will not be doing them. And now it's basically like, yeah, do you want to talk to this person? They're going to be five and a half thousand miles away. I don't care Mm. if it means that we get to talk to Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Brilliant. Bring it on. Make it happen. 
I suppose the access that remote gives you is almost the opposite of how the podcast started in a way, which was, you know, you having a chat in the office and seeing that rapport and thinking maybe there's something in this. It always makes me think of the way no such thing as a fish started, which was, you know, the QI yeah. elves, the, the researchers basically having those conversations and just sharing facts in the office and that becoming the format of their show. Do you think there's another generation at Empire you know, sort of junior writers that are potentially there might be a handing over of the reins in the future. You know, I'm saying maybe another 5,000 episodes time, but do you see that kind of like transition? From our cold, dead hands, I think would be Chris's answer to this. Uh, I mean, look, to be be fair, they are on the podcast fairly regularly. It's usually not just three of us, but four of us. Uh, Assuming we can physically all get in a room, that's the only only bottleneck tends to be manpower. But Ben Travis, Sophie Butcher, John Nugent, all the rest, yeah. 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 Mon Warman, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all of the, the the younger writers are are welcome. Basically, it's just a question of are they free? Can they get here? Usually. What about externally? Do you bring in journalists who aren't part of the Empire brand or family? And how does that work? Is that a, another level of kind of editorial that you need to get past? Occasionally, we do. It happened a lot more during COVID when we were doing remote recording. And we introduced for a while the concept of a revolving fourth chair mm. because it used to be four of us, you know, and it used to be myself, Helen, James, Ali Plum, Phil Dissemlian, Nick Dissemlian. Am I missing anyone? No one's died, have they? We haven't, we haven't had any major deaths in the podcast yet, which is good. That ominous yet. <laughs> yet. Yes. Yet. Give it time. Another 5,000 episodes to go. But my reckoning, Matt, that's 100 years. So <laughs> I suspect we may, we may suffer one or two casualties in that time. But you're thinking about, you know, just how we started off, we were always, we always were very, very tight on the idea of four people. And when, whenever we went into the pandemic, that fourth chair was by and large free. And so we started to bring in, every now and again, we started to bring in people from podcasts that we really, really liked. People like Dave and Kathy from The Cinemile, mm, people great. like Joe Robinson from Vanity Fair, he's now with The Ringer. Uh, and we used to bring in, you know, American people as well. Not all the time, because, you know, you, you, there's always this, a worry, Rihanna, about chemistry mm. and about how people are going to fit in. So we would tend to bring in people that we knew, people that we liked, people that we respected. Because if someone comes into the podcast and kills a chemistry stone dead, then that week's episode is is a bit of a write-off. But despite that, we've persevered with James. (laughs) (laughs) I knew there was a punchline coming there. (laughs) I'm sure you've watched a lot more films and TV than I ever have. Maybe not James. What is the the representation of podcasting in TV or film? Feels like the most accurate, or in fact, the worst. Who does it? it it Nobody's done it well. well. Uh, Nobody's done it well, and it's interesting because it's becoming much more prevalent. Podcasting is becoming a bit of a respectable occupation. Also, in in films, it seems to be an occupation that people can actually make a living out of. So, I'd like to talk to those people. I'd like to talk to their 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 marketing teams and see how exactly how that works but the thing that really gets my goat and I don't know about you guys is sound quality of podcasts in movies because people in movies who record podcasts tend to have their sound equipment I'm holding up a phone now as a representation of a a Marantz uh, of a Zoom H6 if you will and the subject can be 15 feet away across the room (laughs) and they just kind of wave the podcast recording device only murders in the building only murders. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Oh, at, at least they have at least they have a setup mic oh. stand for the voiceover bits. But they all- 
but yeah, but, weave and around it and around it. one microphone. Wild. And that room would be too echoey. Yeah, I know. It would be far too echoey. I mean, what are you doing? No, that's not the worst. Um, uh, what's the Sex and City sequel? And just like that. Oh, my God. And just, oh, like, just that, like that, oh, it appears God. to be, she, she says it's a podcast, but they have live phone-ins. No, yeah. look, maybe somebody out there is doing that. I just don't understand how that works. I don't understand it. <laughs> It's another dimension. They're fighting in from the future. <laughs> it's just, it's just like get your sound quality right. There's, a, there's a film out very, very soon in which someone records someone's pivotal speech, shall we say, with a mobile phone that they have in their pocket, and the person speaking is at least twenty feet away, and they go, "Ha ha ha! I have your pivotal speech, which may or may not be a confession." And I'm just thinking that that's. Not oh. going to stand up in court, mate. You're not going to. You're going to hear this. <laughs> that's what you're going to get. So that's the thing that that chafes my upper areas most. So we have the representation of podcasts and etc. on film. What about representation of film and TV podcasts that act in direct competition to? the Empire Film Podcast. I mean, I'm sure, James, that the Radio Times podcast had you quaking in your boots for the pilot. Uh, well, do, but- do you know what? The, the, the thing that I tend to do is I tend not to listen to other film and TV podcasts. I will listen to politics podcasts. I will listen to comedy podcasts. I sometimes listen to, like, deep dive stuff, like mm. episode by episode. Like, I listen to the West Wing Weekly and I'm listening yeah. to Ty and That Guy, which is a look at The Expanse week by week. The Jonathan Creek one is brilliant. Exactly. That kind of stuff. But general ones that are like ours, it feels mm. Too much like work. Get it out of my ears. I don't need that. Yeah. But are you aware yeah. of this orbit? You know, like a must watch, for example. Is that something that you think about as direct competition, or is there enough room for the two of you? How does that work with? I always think podcasts are slightly different. It's it's strange, but like with a magazine, it's also like we won't name our competition. No, but like with a podcast, you're more likely to have your competitors on just sort of chat yeah. with them, yeah. and it's kind of it's a bit easier it feels more collaborative it feels like a much friendlier less competitive space i guess you're not competing for people's money you're just competing for their time but i don't know it feels like we can all coexist maybe it's a, it's a collegial atmosphere yeah. in podcasts yeah. I've, I've always found but yeah but we haven't had the total film podcast people on have we extend the hand of friendship across the waters but james is right we've had people like i say the the aforementioned cinema we've had you know i listen to the cinema an awful lot i listen to evolution of horror you know a lot that mike munzer he's a good guy he knows um, what he's doing yeah i've heard and, of him uh, have, have you heard of him really <laughs> yeah, um, vaguely rings a yeah, bell uh, yeah. that bloody okay. podcast <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's a bloody podcast. It's my husband we're talking about, by the way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I listen to podcasts that feel different from what we're doing. I don't listen to anything that might be similar to what we're doing. Yes. Um, it's always surprised people that I never listened to entertainment, but I never did. Neither did I. I, no. I, I respect the good doctor. I, I, I like the good doctor. He is a good guy. I am proud to call him someone I will email every now and again about work stuff. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, Mark, if you're listening to this, and I know you're not, I'm sorry, I've never listened to your show, but here's the thing, I'm sure he's never listened to ours either. Absolutely. You know, because he's probably thinking the same thing. And also, I think there's a little bit, I don't know, James, you might want to, this may be a mission too far. There's a small part of me, the jealous, horrible part of me, that goes, I don't want to listen to that show in case it's Betlin ours. I don't want to do it. <laughs> is that why you don't listen don't to Pilot? It. Is that, is that? It's why, it's, yeah. why I, I, it's why I'm trying to burn Pilot to the ground. But I know you're not Betlin us, so that's fine. But, you know, it, but I also like to listen to things that are, that are markedly different. Cinemile is not our format. No. Evolution of Horror is not our mm. format. So therefore, it's, it's, it's okay for me to watch those without getting a nervous tick. 
Yeah, same. There's nothing like a good flame war, though, for marketing. <laughs> I think. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Like Kermode and Mayo, God bless them. They've got they've got a cinematic advert, and I think we should we should take to the sky. Genuinely, I think we should do sky. Yeah, I was in the I was in the picture house this week, and I saw that advert. I was like, why don't we have adverts in the cinema? Like this <laughs> yeah. is mad. You absolutely and money should. It's obviously the answer. Money is the yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is money. Um, I don't know if we have to wrap it up, but just just kind of maybe just um, a little bit of uh, advice um, for people before you go. If you oh, I thought you were giving us advice. <laughs> yeah. Please, Please tell us, stop. what is your advice? We could really use it, so. Sorry. Yeah, could you we make it shorter, Chris, advice. and could you just stop? <laughs> we would love some advice from you about how would you recommend brands go about creating their own podcast? Because some, as we can see, have been incredibly successful, some not so. Radio Times podcast. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but the Radio Times podcast beat us to an award last year. So <laughs> it's true. It's at true. At the BSMEs, was it, so, Jimmy? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, guys. That was a dark, that was a dark it's day. It's not going to happen again. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, think, I think the key is to is to figure out what what out of what you are will translate to the podcast format. So what, what part of your brand or your people in your brands will translate to the format because that's the key and that's going to be different for for every different different brand but that's where you need to figure out you know i'm guessing ideal home or something i feel like they probably don't have an equivalent of the movie news section so much i feel like on a podcast format it would be very hard to explain why the new range from pharaoh and ball is good i imagine maybe they're really good at it but you know the bit of their magazine where they go to people's houses and they look at what fabulous work they've done that's something that they could explain in mm-hmm. audio format so it's i guess it's just figuring out what what is great about your brand and, and mm. doing that mm. yeah i mean for us it was personality led yeah for the most part but looking at it you know i think to extrapolate from what helen said there look at your brand there are lots of things in empire that could be turned into successful podcasts but i i want to steal those for the day that i go solo and <laughs> you know try and <laughs> trio, Chris. Trio. Sorry, sorry. Is it solo trio? Solo trio? Yeah. We might as well. Maybe, but let's just quit now, shall we? Let's quit now, right Live here. On this, oh, that God. would be what a flex. That what would a be great. what a flex. And finally, before we go, you've got to give us your best impression of Curtis Tigers, please. <laughs> well, I wonder why you said that. Um, yeah. Can I say one more thing real quick? Do it. Go real on. quick. Because I completely forgot to mention, you know, that you know, the live shows. Live shows have been hugely important to us as well. And they've been a huge part of establishing not only our personality as podcasters, but our connection with the audience. And they've been really, really great. I mean, we did a tour in 2019. We would have done more tours had it not been for the, the, the dread COVID. Uh, and they are just the most fun. They are they are warm and anarchic and hilarious and it feels like you know the restraints come off in a weird way and i think if you are doing a podcast and if you can get into the live arena and obviously it has to be reciprocated you have to have people who are going to show up that is incredibly freeing also and i I think you know we our first one was episode 100 and since then you know we would do as many live shows as we possibly could every year in fact there may be plans afoot i'm not going to announce anything now but there may be plans to do live shows more regularly Mm -hmm. than we have been doing so far but um 
Sounds like but you've yeah. got a lot of free time on your hands to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Add to the workload. <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm I'm ninety percent podcast. <laughs> I'm more podcast now than man. Twisted, Twisted and evil. evil. So mm. yeah, just just bring it on. But uh, as for Curtis Stiger, I wonder why oh, we hold on with tears in our eyes. Why have you encouraged him? I got him? accused. <laughs> Someone said that wasn't even a good impression. It's like, mate, that's perfect. It's perfect. Spot on. It's a perfect impression. Spot on. Love is anger. I think, honestly, if we're talking impressions, I do think the enduring legacy of the Empire podcast, long after the rest of society has been reduced to dust, is that Chris managed to do his impression of Anthony Hopkins to in the edge to Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins, and it might have been the greatest moment in I'm just saying the history of Western civilization. Inception. Yeah. I think, we cr- I think we created the singularity. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much to the Empire Podcast for joining us on PodBod. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much to the Empire team for joining us on PodPod. That was such an interesting chat. There was so much to kind of go over. Obviously, we talked at the top about the amount of work that goes into the podcast. I really enjoyed hearing about how it's it's sort of changing film journalism podcasting and especially about how they make their guests comfortable and how different that is from you know slightly more headliney tabloid journalism i suppose what do you think about that matt yeah i think the access that podcasts can afford you is something of a revelation still to particularly print journalists who Mm. obviously get their time you know their 20 minutes and maybe like a short phone call or whatever but suddenly to sit in the same room as someone for like an hour hour and a half to record a podcast is absolutely fantastic Mm. i remember when we started a show for the sunday times called danny in the valley danny fortson's the kind of technology correspondent there and he was having enormous trouble getting tech entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley to come and talk to him for the Sunday Times because it was behind a paywall and they were kind of manifestly against that. But as soon as he started the podcast, they all came and talked to him on the podcast. And then he managed to then write up those stories for the paper as well. So it can be something of a Trojan horse to getting not just good interviews, but actually getting that access in the first place. Yeah, because I mean, the length of the interviews that they get is astonishing. And Rihanna, you know, you've presumably done a lot of the sort of junket circuit. Mm-hmm. And as, as I understand it, the amount of time you get for, you know, a standard junket interview is far, far shorter than the level of time the Empire guys have for just one interview. Yeah, it's mad. It's kind of ranged over the years. At the moment, if I have to do a junket for six music, for example, we always insist on 10 minutes and we will not do it for less than 10 minutes. Inevitably on the day. A whole 10 minutes? <laughs> I know. Wow. Inevitably it gets kind of maybe squeezed down to eight or nine minutes. But I remember doing an interview, I think it was with Jonah Hill, where I got Ooh. given three minutes Oh my God. (laughs) And guess what? The interview went so well, I got through, I think, nine questions in three minutes because that's how verbose he was feeling that day. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they did you a favour there. (laughs) So, yeah, it's really interesting, actually. And of course, you cannot form any sort of connection. You're not expected to get anything really interesting from your guests in that time. I don't really, you know, I don't really understand the, the concept of junkie interviews anymore. They just don't. They don't do anything. Whereas you listen to Empire and of course you get these incredible nuggets and anecdotes because they have the time and as they kind of pointed out, they feel comfortable in these people's company. You get to know people a little bit more and face to face, of course, Mm. makes such a huge difference. You know, them insisting as much as possible doing it in person, I think is a huge, huge 
thing. But, you know, I think we work on Zoom quite well as well. Right? Hmm. Right. Well, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, there's a delay on the line, Rihanna. I couldn't possibly tell you. (laughs) Um, I think it's time to wrap it up. Thank you so much once more to Adam and Matt for joining me on today's episode of Pod Pod. And of course, to our brilliant guests, Helen O'Hara, Chris Hewitt and James Dyer. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out more on podpod.com. Sign up to our daily email bulletins and please do follow us on social at PodPod Official. The podcast is produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media and I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon, and I will see you next week. Bye.